The following podcast contains explicit language. Oh, this one's nice. Five bedroom, four bath. Oh. Wait, that is a lot of wood. It's <laughs> a lot of wood, but I, I like it. I would feel like I was living in a pine coffin. <laughs> Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Sarah Fain, a TV writer and producer living in Los Angeles, and with me is my high school friend and writing partner of 17 years, Liz. That's me, Liz Kraft, also a TV writer and producer living in L.A. On this podcast, we talk about what it's like to be writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. Today, we're excited to catch up with our friend, former Hollywood mega film producer Gene Allgood, about being happier not in Hollywood. We're also going to make a meditation declaration. Don't worry, we'll explain what that means. And then our assistant, Boifla, has a Hollywood hack that Sarah and I are not fans of. We're trying. We're going to work on it. Um, Plus, Liz has an awkward celebrity sighting. Okay, so before we jump into this week's episode, we have a listener letter. Right. This comes from Amy. She wrote, in one of your episodes, you recommend that everyone get professional headshots taken. As a middle school teacher, this is something I never thought would apply to me. However, I applied and was chosen for a leadership program, which asked for a headshot with only a week turnaround time. I didn't have professional ones taken and caught the flu. Thanks, middle schoolers, during that week. So I had to use a regular, less professional photo. I've also been struggling with some imposter syndrome and feeling like I'm not good enough for this leadership opportunity. I've since gotten a professional headshot taken and now use it as my photo and on email and professional social media. Whether I post on Twitter or my blog, when I see my professional headshot, I believe more in myself. I had no idea it would have this effect on me, but I feel more confident in my ideas just looking at the photo. Great suggestion. Love the podcast. Thanks. Amy Corso Reed. That is so validating. One of our Hollywood hacks was get a professional headshot, and we were saying this isn't just for people in Hollywood, and we are proven right, Sarah. Yes. Yes, we are. No, I, and I love also that she points out imposter syndrome, which I think so many people suffer from, yes. including us sometimes. Yes. Um, and it really is that thing of just, like, act like you are this, and you can be this. You feel more more like like you embody whatever the role is. Yes. And the funny thing is, I don't know if I told you after we did that Hollywood hack, my sister called me and she was like, I need to get a headshot. <laughs> I don't have a new headshot. So we're making um, people all over the country get professional photos. Yes. <laughs> we are employing photographers everywhere. That's awesome. <laughs> So, Amy, thank you so much for sharing. Yes, thank you. And listeners, please keep on writing to us. We love getting these letters, and we love hearing from you. All right. Now, let's get started with a segment we call From the Treadmill Desks Of, where we talk about what's most pressing in our work psyches this week. Now, Sarah, we love our Hollywood lives and our Hollywood jobs. Yes, we do. But there are days, sometimes weeks, hopefully not months, when we think, would we be happier not in Hollywood? And that's when we fantasize about giving it all up and just totally changing our lives. Yes. I will spend 
hours looking at real estate in Minnesota. When I get tired of Minnesota, I go to North Carolina. <laughs> um, you can get a five-bedroom house on several acres in Minnesota or North Carolina for less than half of what I'd pay here. And while you're doing that, I'm trying to convince Adam to move to a one-bedroom apartment in Hawaii. Which sounds very nice. But where is Jack going to sleep? <laughs> Well, he'll have to be on the couch because I think if, if we give it all up and move to Hawaii, it's very expensive to live in Hawaii. So That's true. <laughs> we're not going to be able to afford more than a one bedroom. But Sarah, I think everybody, not just us in Hollywood, occasionally dreams about just starting over completely. So far, you and I have not had the guts to follow through, but our friend Gene Allgood said goodbye to Hollywood and moved to Montana, where she lives a distinctly and purposely un-Hollywood life. Right. Yeah. In her life as a Hollywood big shot, Jean spent 10 years as a development executive before going to DreamWorks, where she worked with people like legendary filmmaker Wes Craven and literary heroes Neil Gaiman and Laura Hillenbrand. She has the distinction of having hired Channing Tatum for his first starring role opposite Amanda Bynes. Well done, Jean. When we met Jean, it seemed like she was constantly flying off on private planes to exotic locales. That was when she was working with the famous director McGee, executive producing Terminator Salvation, starring Christian Bale, and We Are Marshall, starring Matthew McConaughey. Today, Jean is going to talk to us about what it's like when the fantasy of leaving it all behind becomes reality. Welcome, Jean. Thank you so much for talking to us today. Hi, Jean. Hi, thanks for having me, ladies. It's it's good to hear your voices again. You too. Uh, now, Jean, today Sarah and I are talking about like how sometimes we fantasize about just leaving LA and you know moving to some small town and starting over. Or I actually <laughs> fantasize about moving to Hawaii. Sarah fantasizes about moving to a I'm small, the small town. town one, yeah. <laughs> but you actually <laughs> did this, and I did. So we want to hear all about it. Hear you know. What makes you happier having done that and what maybe you miss? But first, like, tell us a little bit about your Hollywood life so we can set the stage. Well, in Hollywood, I think I was pretty lucky. I worked on more than 23 films. Wow. Wow. So I worked at DreamWorks. I worked for producers at Sony, at Warner Brothers, at Universal. So I really had 17 years of a great opportunity and a great experience. I had like, <laughs> I kind of had a dream career for those 17 years. And then so many people, I mean, that's all they want in life is to do what you did. But you decided to leave. So yeah, tell t- us that story. I did. The idea of, of leaving Los Angeles wasn't really in the realm of my possibilities mm. when I was younger. I had all of these OB issues and my hormones were out of whack and I had several doctors tell me that I wasn't going to be able to have kids. And if I wanted kids, I should save my eggs and I should do all of these things. And so for me, I was living this life where the idea of family wasn't a possibility. Mm. Then I guess I was working on a movie in New Mexico and I met the cowboy of my dreams. We, we <laughs> fell in love and ended up getting married and having a baby. And I stayed on um, in LA for a year thinking I was going to be able to pull it off and, and be content and stay doing my job. But in that time, I missed the first steps that my daughter took. I missed the first words that she said. Mm-hmm. And it made me really sad. 
and it made me really frustrated. And it was the first time in my life where I had to think outside of myself and I had to plan a life not just for me, but for our family. And I wanted to be better. I wanted to be more in tune. I wanted to be more present. So I was renegotiating my contract with Warner Brothers at the time, and it just seemed like the right moment to make the choice for us to move back to Montana, where my husband is from. So I let my contract expire and packed up, and here we are. Chickens, dogs, horses. Wow. <laughs> here we are. You went for it. Yeah. So, Jean, your life now is, it seems like, radically different than it was here. Can you just kind of tell us about what your life looks like today? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it is radically different. Absolutely. Um, I really came here with the intention of simplifying and creating a more sustainable life for myself. And um, and I, I wanted to find a way to be, you know, content and happy. And so I really don't do things I don't want to do anymore. Mm. <laughs> it's really a lot easier for me to say no. It's really a lot easier for me not to compare myself to the person next to me mm. and how is their career going? What are they doing? You know, I wake up in the morning, I feed the chickens, I feed the dogs, hmm. I check on the horses, I make coffee, I, I do some yoga, and then I do a little bit of work. I, I help a couple of local companies with their social media campaigns. So I do some graphic design and I do some posting on Facebook and Instagram for them. And at that point, the kids wake up and we make breakfast together and we read together and we do our school. And then I really try to keep it as simple and fun. And again, I try not to do things that I really don't want to do, which is not the way it used to be. We should mention you homeschool your two children. Oh, yes, I do. So we, we homeschool. And uh, our daughter is entering third grade this year, and it's it's actually daunting now. <laughs> yeah, now right. There's like curriculum that I have to worry about. Yeah. <laughs> Jean, I'm getting a little teary over I here. Know. Your life sounds really <laughs> nice. <laughs> it sounds so great to me. It is good. And it is good because I'm lucky in this situation. Not everybody has that freedom to work part-time and do the social media stuff for, for friends, you know, or I write a blog about sustainable living called Oh Mamas. Yeah, it's a and great blog. I Every- teach a yoga class twice a week. And, uh, you know, so I'm really just, I just want, I'm taking the time to do do it right. And things seem to be unfolding the way they should. And we can afford to live this, this so we're going to just keep doing it. <laughs> and is there anything in all of this, you know, bliss um, that makes you miss your life in Hollywood? Are you ever, you know, longing for Mulholland Drive? <laughs> <laughs> You know, I never struggled with traffic in L.A. at all. I didn't mind driving. But now that I'm on country roads, I'm like, man, I do not want to drive in L.A. anymore. But, no, uh, things that I miss about L.A., I really miss my friends because we grew up together. You know, we were, like, early 20s, having fun, getting to know each other, going through all these heartbreaks, but having so much fun together. So I do miss my girlfriends. I definitely miss my girlfriends. And I, this is going to sound totally silly, but I really miss the opportunity to wear cute shoes. Yes, (laughs) I get that. Yeah, I mean, I could see, like, when you're in Hollywood, so much sense of self comes from, you know, career achievement. 
Like, I imagine you have to sort of put aside some ego when you change your life like this. But I guess you find that in other ways. Oh, my gosh. The first couple of years, I really had a hard time figuring out how to explain who I was. Mm. Uh-huh. Because I couldn't say, oh, I'm a producer. I mean, I could because I had, you know, produced some movies. But all of a sudden, the people who didn't know me and didn't know what I had accomplished, ah, it was very challenging for my ego. It still is sometimes. Because people ask, well, what do you do? And I'm like, well, I do a lot of things. You know, Mm. I've got like this side hack and that side hack and oh, I'm a beauty character. But like, honestly, who I am is just me. And so I can't define myself by my job anymore. And that's a challenge. But so great at the same time. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, speaking of that different life, what for those of us who aren't moving to Minnesota or Hawaii or for, Montana. for now <laughs> or Montana. What lessons from your life can you give us to help us be happier here in Hollywood? I think there are two things that I have found since I've been here that have been really helpful to me. The first thing is that Montanans are very much straight shooters mm, and there's yeah. an honesty without an assholishness. Uh-huh. <laughs> that I really love. People are respectful. Like they just, but they're honest. So when something's not good and they don't want to do it or they, it's really easy for them to say no without it being a personal attack. And I feel like, you know, there are so much personality goes into every decision in Hollywood. And I wish that it was just a little bit more straightforward. And I hope that it becomes more straightforward so that people can feel more comfortable. Absolutely. I mean, I feel like that's something we try to do on this podcast is be honest and open so that we kind of demystify a lot of the stuff that's out there because mm-hmm. there is so much dishonesty <laughs> um, and lack of authenticity. So I, I agree. I wish everyone would be more straightforward. It would make things so much easier. It really would. It would. And people would waste a lot less time. The other thing that I feel like I've learned is that I really, I think when I was in LA, I was constantly looking around me and wanting to be the first one who knew a piece of information because I needed to get it to my boss or I needed to know it first, or I needed to read the script first. I was always in this competition mode. And so you're running really, really high, nearly all the time. And there's very little time for self-reflection and there's very little time for self-care because you're constantly in that competition slash like fear mode. Right. And I feel like if there was a way to reduce the competition and to realize that the more you work together, the more awesomeness can be accomplished. Mm Mm-hmm. This is a lesson that applies anywhere. I mean, I'm just thinking yes. about what's, yeah. you know, what's happening in Washington. <laughs> this is a, glo- uh, yeah. a global thought. Yes. Working yeah. together. Yeah. And I think the fear mode is so true. I think a lot of us do live in a fear mode, and it does do all the things you're saying. It keeps you from taking care of yourself and from just being your best self. Right. And being able to offer the best to other people. Yeah. I mean, literally, if you're if you're constantly afraid that the guy next to you is going to have a better idea and a faster idea and get it to the studio first, instead of going, all right, well, how do we pull this off together? I don't know. You just don't have any time to be awesome. 
Right. Yes, <laughs> exactly. You can sound like Bill and Ted, but like, I want you to be excellent to each other. That's all. That is perfect. I advice. like that happiness lesson. Jean, thank you so much for being here. It has been awesome to talk to you. It has been. Um, thank you so much. I'm very grateful. Um, hopefully we'll see you the next time you're in L.A. And in the meantime, we can find you and our listeners can find you at your blog, Omamas, O-M-A-M-A-S. And they can find you on Instagram at Jean Genie, J-E-A-N-N-J-E-A-N-N-I-E. And we will link to all of that on our uh, website, which is happierinhollywood.com. Do you fantasize about totally changing your life? Where would you go? What would you do? Or, like Jean, have you already taken the plunge? We want to hear from you. Email us at happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Coming up, Liz and I make a promise to ourselves. But first, a word from our sponsor. Happier in Hollywood is brought to you by The Four Tendencies, the book by best-selling author Gretchen Rubin that explains that people fall into four personality types— Upholders, questioners, obligers, and rebels. These tendencies shape every aspect of our behavior. So understanding this framework lets us make better decisions, meet deadlines, suffer less stress and burnout, and engage more effectively. Managers, doctors, teachers, spouses, and parents already use the framework to help others make lasting change. Just as important, people use it to understand themselves and to create the lives they want. This book... Every doctor friend I have, I'm going to recommend they read this book. It's such a great way to understand how to best communicate with your patients and help them help themselves. Yes, it'd be good for trainers, too, for exercise. Yeah. The Four Tendencies by Gretchen Rubin is available for pre-order now, wherever you buy your books. Now it's time for a segment we call Take a Hike, in which we discuss mental, physical, and because it's L.A., spiritual health, probably in a fairly woo-woo way. Sarah, this week you get all the credit slash blame for this segment, which happens to be about meditation. Yes. I have been wanting to meditate regularly forever. Um, so I downloaded the Headspace app, which is a meditation app. You can download specific programs. I downloaded this app 12 months ago. I have used it exactly 17 times. Mm-hmm. 17 times in 12 months. Yeah. Not great. <laughs> um, of course, you know this because you note every time you use it in your bullet journal. Mm-hmm. By the way, if anyone wants to hear us talk about bullet journals, listen to episode two, where we, we debate their merits. <laughs> yeah. So the other day I was struck by an idea. It seemed crazy. So I started to tell you about it because I really want to do it. But then I thought, this is ridiculous. Liz is never going to go for this. So I stopped talking about it. Then, of course, once you started, I was like, well, what is it? I dragged it out of you. And you said, "Okay, well, I don't think we're going to really want to do this. But what I was going to say is maybe we should meditate at lunch every day for 15 minutes. And shockingly... You agreed to this. I really was shocked. Um, But we did shave off the time. We decided we couldn't handle 15 minutes. Um, So we are going to meditate for 10 minutes a day at lunch. And that's our meditation declaration. Yes. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I had to say yes, because even though, of course, I did not want to say yes. I Well, one, I know meditation is great because, as I've discussed, I used to go to this parent mindfulness class at Jack's school, which I want to go back to in September. And so I know from having just done it a little bit there how useful it is. 
And the facts are just about why meditation is good. The data out there is just overwhelming. Yeah, it really Um, is. For anyone who might not know what meditation is, I think we all do at this point. But I will tell you that according to Merriam-Webster, to meditate is to engage in mental exercise, such as concentration on one's breathing or repetition of a mantra for the purpose of reaching a heightened level of spiritual awareness. Yeah, so the spiritual part, you're not super into sort of woo-woo spirituality. No, but I am into, you know, life-changing possibilities. I don't know what to call it. Habits, I guess, a life-changing habit. Yeah, and there is, as you said, a ton of literature, a ton of evidence about meditation and the positive benefits. It helps you sleep better. It helps your brain process stress and keeps you calm. It can help a child's schoolwork. I really want to get Violet meditating, but I I don't know. I think I'm going to have to wait a couple years. Yeah, I want to do that with Jack, too. Some people say it can even alleviate pain. And of course, as you say, reducing blood sugar numbers is huge for you. Yes. Um, As I have mentioned before, I'm a type 1 diabetic, and anything that reduces blood sugar numbers sounds like a very useful thing to me. And for me, this is the big one. There are tons of studies that say meditation can reduce Alzheimer's risk in a variety of ways. So that's, for me, the hugest reason. And then there's just, you know, we talked in Episode 9 about feeling like we're on the rack. You know, maybe if we're meditating and taking those 10 minutes every day, Maybe that will help us with that on-the-rack feeling. Yeah, I sure hope so. Because it's also going to take 10 minutes. So that's 10 (laughs) minutes there where we're not going to be emailing or doing a rewrite or doing something else during lunch. So this better be valuable. (laughs) I know. It it has to to balance out (laughs) somewhere. Um, Okay. But our meditation declaration is we are going to meditate every lunch during the week for 10 minutes. And we are both obligers, which means we need accountability to keep a good habit. So we decided that our listeners are going to be our accountability group. Yeah, we will see how this goes. We'll, I'm sure, post pictures of ourselves meditating. We'll let everybody know how we're doing. And if we don't do it, Sarah, I think we're going to have to fess up on Twitter um, that we missed today because otherwise, you know, we'll kind of forget about the accountability group. We have to keep it front and center. Yes. So does anyone out there want to join us? Let us know if we have inspired you to make your own meditation declaration. Email us at happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Or even better, leave a voicemail at 949-HAPPY21 or Instagram meditation selfies, hashtag happier in Hollywood. Okay, it is time for our weekly Hollywood hack. And this week, it comes from our assistant. Welcome back, Wafla. Hi, thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> um, so this was the other day you came into our office and you said, I have a Hollywood hack that I want to do um, and tell us what you said. Um, today's Hollywood hack is to use Google Drive. And I remember when you said it, you guys just kind of looked at each other and were like, okay. <laughs> yeah, because we don't like Google Drive. We just can't stand it. We understand that other people do. But I, like, please help well, us first, understand the benefits of Google Drive. What it is. Tell us what it is. And why we should like it. So according to Wikipedia, Google Drive <laughs> is a file storage and synchronization service. It allows users to store files in the cloud, synchronize files across devices, and share files. Okay, well, that's succinct. I, I theoretically understand. Yeah, what does it mean? 
Okay, so I'll explain it in a way that I think, I hope makes sense to everyone. So most people are familiar with Microsoft Office, which includes Word, Excel, and PowerPoint. Mm -hmm. Google Drive is like having access to all of that anywhere you have internet service because it's all in the cloud. Mm. And the synchronization bit means that if I update a Google document spreadsheet or presentation on my laptop and I check that document on my desktop computer at home or on my phone, all the edits would have been updated. There's no need to send the new file to someone else to make sure they have the right one. It's all updated live. That does sound good. It does. Now, we, we should say we use Google Docs. We use it for our Happier in Hollywood scripts. So it is nice that I can be working on a document on my iPad Pro and, like, Jennifer can also be working on the document in New York, and Boafla can be working on the document at her desk. Like, And I can be trying to work on the document, <laughs> but not being able to because my laptop is so old that the Safari on it doesn't really support Google Drive. So I have to wait like five minutes in between typing like every letter. It's very frustrating. Yeah. So that definitely is a contributing factor to your not liking Google Drive. I just find it frustrating. I think like... I'm so used to Microsoft Word, you know, that, like, it's hard to step outside of that and just master the logistics of Google Drive. Well, one thing I don't understand is, you know, as writers, of course, we write and rewrite and rewrite, but we'll often go back to another draft. Yeah. It seems to me that Google Drive is like a one-draft system. Like if we did a script on Google Drive, how would we ever go back unless we printed to another draft? Because you're not saving multiple drafts. And that makes me nervous. So that is true. But you could just save your file and open a new one, just make a copy of it, which is very easy, and have a new version of it to work off that version. And you can track your changes in Google Drive. However, when you're writing a screenplay, there are so many changes. It would be kind of hectic to go through all the changes you made. But you could just save the file and say, this is the one we turned in on July, whatever the date is, and then make a new version, just like you do with Microsoft Word. Right. Okay. So there is an... I knew you'd have an answer to that. (laughs) The other thing I will say that I think you and I find frustrating is the notes. Like, okay, on the one hand, it's good because one thing you can do with Google Drive is like Jennifer could put notes on something we send her. Yeah. But it's very hard to read them. It's like they're annotated and you have to go back and forth. And Sarah and I don't find it to be the most... It's not user-friendly way to get feedback. Do you guys find the notes on Microsoft Word to be better? Well, no, we just like people giving us their notes. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) We like to either have someone call us and tell us their notes or send us an email saying, here are my notes. I mean, that Uh, that always has worked for us in the uh, past. Yes. And then you print the notes and then you hold the notes in your hand on the right side and then you'd go through the document on your screen. And this is like the notes are actually on the screen and a little square in the upper right hand corner. And you have to click like reply or resolve or like, I don't know. I it, Honestly, the fact We're that trying. I don't We're like it. Better. Yeah. The fact that I don't like it makes me feel old. Yeah. Which so we should we need to embrace. Yeah, we do. Boafa is really trying. She like, is. She's like, no, come on, guys, get like, on board. This is a good thing. I'm gonna. She's like, I'm gonna get these ladies <laughs> to be enthusiastic. Yeah. Google, Google Drive is the future. Microsoft is even trying to copy their style and have their own cloud-based system that really isn't taking off because Google has really just made it really well. <laughs> okay. 
All right. All right. Well, Bluffle, we promise we're going to try to complain less about Google Drive, and I'm going to get a new computer at some point <laughs> that allows me to actually use it in an efficient way. Yeah, Liz's computer, like laptop, is pretty ancient and doesn't really support Google Drive, <laughs> which is relatively new. So that is part of the problem. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Changes are coming. We're going to move into the future now. All right. Well, thank you guys for having me. <laughs> Thanks, Bafla. So before we go, Liz, you had an awkward celebrity sighting this week. I did indeed. <laughs> um, it was at Fryman Canyon, which, you know, is where I like to hike in yeah. L.A. It's off Laurel Canyon. I've <laughs> talked about it before. Um, and I have many celebrity sightings there. But this was the first one that was super awkward. <laughs> um, so what happened is Adam and I drove in behind someone and they were, you know, there's a very busy parking lot there. Yeah. And you kind of have to just hover and wait for a spot. And there's no line, per se, to no. wait for parking. It's just you sort of pick a spot to camp out and you hope somebody leaves, right? right. Near where you are. Yes. Anyway, there was a car was in front of us and it was just sort of staying put. So we figured, okay, they're camping out for a spot right there. So mm -hmm. we went around them and went to a different part of the parking lot to wait for a spot. And then they came, a spot became available, and they sort of whipped around us to try to get in it. But we would have to move for them to get in the spot. And so we were like, we're not moving. And they didn't <laughs> move. And we were gesturing back and forth to each other. And Adam actually flipped off the person in the car in front of us, which in 12 years or however long I've known him, I don't think I've ever seen him do. <laughs> And I was like gesturing, move, 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 you know, just classic, <laughs> like classic, classic yes. fighting over a parking space yeah. in L.A. stuff, right? <laughs> so the door opens of the car in front of us and the driver gets out and starts walking toward us. And I realize <laughs> oh it God. is none other than the star of the shield, <laughs> uh, Michael Chiklis, <laughs> who... We know very well oh who we God. worked with for years um, and he's a, like, awesome guy. And he comes toward us. We realize before he does right. that we know each other because oh he hasn't gotten to the car yet. Right. So he comes up and he looks in. He's like, oh, what, Adam and Liz? And Jack was in the back seat. And we're like, Michael. And then everybody's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And Adam's like, I never do that. I'm so sorry. Apologizing, apologizing. You know, it's like, you take the space, you know. Um, and, of course, he thought he we had taken the space. And right. We thought he had taken the space. Everybody at, thinks they're right. Everyone, yeah. yeah. But very quickly, we all backpedaled on our positions. Yeah. And um, he got the no, space. Then it's like, you take the space. You take yeah. the space. Um, oh he got God. the space. And then we uh, got another uh. space. And his wife, Michelle, was with him. Uh -huh. um, and so uh, we caught up with them, <laughs> um, which was lovely. But it just made us realize, like, okay, you never know who yeah. you're flipping <laughs> off, basically. And luckily, it was Michael, who's a nice guy. I mean— Right. It could have escalated. It could have. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it could have been somebody with a gun or a knife. So you should never do that. Right. But it certainly made for an awkward celebrity sighting. That is my favorite celebrity yes, sighting ever. It was really <laughs> funny. And I should mention um, that Michael is now um, on Gotham playing yeah. Captain Nathaniel Barnes, a.k.a. the Executioner. Yeah, so you really shouldn't mess so with I him. So I really shouldn't mess with him. <laughs> yeah. Well, Vic Mackey, his character on The Shield, is also not a guy you want to mess no, with. No, exactly. So anyway, Michael and Michelle, if you're listening, it was great to see you. <laughs> and that's it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. Do you want to totally change your life? 
Where would you live? What would you do? We want to know. Email us at happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and please subscribe if you haven't already. And if you like the podcast, give us a review in Apple Podcasts. It really helps listeners find us. If you have any pressing questions about life in Hollywood, leave us a voicemail at 949-HAPPY-21. Big thanks to Gene Allgood for talking to us about being happier not in Hollywood. Thanks to our producer, Jennifer Lai. Also thanks to Kristen Meinzer and Andy Bowers of Panoply. Thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Get in touch. I'm on Twitter at Elizabeth Craft and Sarah is at Sarah M. Fain. Uh, should I throw out our Instagram handles also? Yes. I am all about Instagram now. I'm at S. Fane, and you are at Liz Craft. Until next week, I'm Liz Craft. And I'm Sarah Fane. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. Wait, Sarah, do these houses in Minnesota have pools? Do people in the Midwest want pools?